0: So while I will still send emails to my entire list, I definitely focus more heavily on the launch list. Those are the people who are the most engaged, they're the most interested, they're far more
1: likely to buy than anyone else on your email list. We became entrepreneurs because more than anything, we want freedom. We want to be in control of our own schedule, income, and life. But unfortunately, that isn't always the reality of being a business owner. I'm Gillian Perkins, and I'm on a mission to take back entrepreneurship for what it's supposed to be. In every episode, I'll share with you how to get the most out of every hour you work so that you can work less and earn more. Let's get to it. Tarzan K, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me here today. I am so excited to talk to you. First of all, to tap into your copywriting superpowers and also specifically because I feel like you've become almost legendary for your ability to generate massive revenue with a tiny list. Yeah, that's my uh
0: that's been my jam for the last couple of years and uh I'm here to share all the secrets. I'll share the numbers. I'll share it all. I'm an open book. And I think it's really refreshing to hear people share numbers in the earlier stages of their business. Because uh, it's like not that helpful to know conversion rates on a list of 300,000 people. (laughs) Most of us don't have that. So I'm here. I'm here to share.
1: That's true. I really appreciate that you are such an open book. Um, That's something that my audience has come to expect from me as well. So I know that they will appreciate that about you as well. And also, I know that a lot of them are in kind of a similar place to where you are at in one regard. You don't have that big of an email list. You don't have that big of an audience. But I think that you've done such an amazing job with making the most out of what you do have. And so that's what I really want to dive into today.
0: Let's do it. I feel like I need to add the disclaimer, though, that... Oh, go ahead. <laughs> now my list is growing. So in the so at the beginning of last year, I had 3,000 subscribers, mm-hmm. which I would consider still a small list. And also yeah. I paid to get most of those people. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you get like an organic list is always going to be more valuable than a list of mm-hmm. people that you paid for. So I started the year with 3,000 people on my email list and I had some really like runaway success promotions and well all the while like I'm I'm teaching small list strategies that's my jam and that's what I really want to give people because they're very different from big list strategies. But also I ran ads consistently all year for 12 months and because i was looking at my business and i was like okay i i rock at small list strategies i'm mm-hmm. really good at converting with email and what would it be like if i had a bigger list and i kind of had to let that go that i was going to be the small list queen forever <laughs> and i still have those strategies in my pocket and i still use them and i treat my larger list like a small mm-hmm. list i use all the same strategies But I also feel like, well, now I have 13,000 people on my list and I feel like Mm -hmm. I have to say that. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Well, I appreciate that disclaimer. Like, Thanks for putting it all out there. I think that to some people, even 3,000 people probably sounds like a big list. But in the industry, and this is something I kind of want to get into up front here, in the industry that we are in, which in a broad sense is the digital marketing industry, 3,000 people is considered a very small list, right? Um, And so the amount of success that you were able to create with that is crazy and awesome. Yeah. And also, like, I have...
0: I can compete on sales with someone that does have 300,000 people. And I have Mm -hmm. before, like I did, I do a lot of affiliate promotions. And when you do affiliate marketing, it's like, you know, there's a bunch of people all selling the same product and every day there's a leaderboard and every day, like I'm looking at my name next to, you know, someone, some other like internet superstar (laughs) who I know has like 300,000 subscribers. And I'm here with my little list of 3,000, like, <laughs> oh, hey, same conversions Her yep. same number of sales, much higher conversions, mm-hmm. actually.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been there too. And that is such a, it's such a good feeling. But at the same time, I just want anyone who's listening, who has a much smaller list and is in a different industry to understand just the difference between different industries. So maybe if they have 500 people on their email list right now, and they hear us talking about 3000 as a small list, and then they think, well, then I'm nobody in most other industries, having a few thousand people on your list is amazing and incredible and means you're ahead of the game. (laughs)
0: Yeah. And I also want to say, like, I do know people. It's not just marketing stories. Like, I have several students that are doing multiple six figures with a list of under 500 people.
1: So it's definitely
0: possible, but the strategies are different. When it doesn't, like, what often happens is we try and apply the same sales strategies with a list of 200 people. And those sales strategies were meant to be used with a list of like 5,000 plus. Mm -hmm. And when you have a smaller list, you can actually talk to people and start one-on-one conversations. Like you could make a sweet little video for every single person who hits reply to your email every time. Like imagine the relationship building you could do. And this is true of Instagram followers. It's true across so many channels. Like when you treat every, like when you start thinking about people as leads and you, you start thinking like I need more leads. Well, there's automatically a problem when you think about people as humans who share the same hopes and dreams that you do, it changes things. It changes Mm -hmm. the way you show up. Like you are, Oh, Hey, look, this isn't like Tarzan K two, four, (laughs) one at gmail.com that signed up to my email list. Like, Oh, Hey, there's Tarzan. I'm going to send a shout out to her and say like, thanks for joining my email list.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And I just want to like mention here that I don't think it's a difference between like good people who are able to see their list as people versus bad people who see their list as leads. As your list grows, it becomes more and more of just noise, just data. And it's really hard to stay connected to individual people because there's just so many of them. It is a crowd of people. And so you have this special gift when your list is small Mm. that it is easy for you to see them as people. And you should take advantage of that.
0: Agreed. 100%.
1: So let's start out by talking about some of those results that you created back maybe a year ago when your list was a lot smaller because I've heard a few of those stories and they're pretty impressive. And then let's move on and talk about some specific small list tactics that you think really helped you to get those results.
0: Awesome. I'm just pulling up my debrief on a launch that I did last year so I can Mm -hmm. share the actual numbers oh my gosh, we did so many magical things last year with a really small email list. So um, let me tell you about this promotion. So I was promoting my program, which is called Email Stars, and I've offered it in several different ways, which I think is really important when you are starting out is to figure out what's the right format for your program and when you have a smaller email list, I would definitely highly recommend doing something that is more expensive because when you're talking to people individually, you can you know make a like you can make a bigger sale. So that's what I would always do like in the early stages is to sell through sales calls instead of trying to sell through a sales page and also offer something that's like more high ticket. So I have this program, Email Stars, which now it is a digital program. Like, but I did, you know, I've, I've sort of worked my way up to that and it started as a mastermind, like a mastermind that came with a training program. So Mm -hmm that product was $5,000 and $5,000 pay in full or $6,000 on a three pay. So Mm -hmm. I went into that launch with 3,929 people on my email list. Keeping in mind, probably at least a third of that list, I had just like came from paid leads. So they were new on my email list. And it's always a bit more, it's always a bit tougher to get people to buy something from you. That's more expensive when they just met you. Yes, so, definitely. Cause you don't have that relationship with them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I did a couple of, I had like lots of fun sales strategies for this, um, for this product. So I sold it through a webinar. I had seven hundred and thirty two people opt in to the webinar. So I just want to I just want to make a quick calculation here. So, you know, that as a percentage, because it's actually seven hundred and thirty two divided by thirty nine twenty nine. So that's eighteen. I got eighteen point six percent of my full list to opt in to the webinar if I did the math right. And Mm -hmm. that's like that's quite high. Um, That's pretty good. Uh, I would, I think it's a great goal to get 15 to 20% to actually opt in. And um, so I would consider my launch list was 732 people. And just Mm -hmm. a note for like, I I personally just learned how to calculate conversion rates, like in the last 18 months. And I used (laughs) to just like stick my head in the sand and pretend it was too complicated for me. But just uh, so a side note here, when we think about conversion rates, we actually think about conversion rates based on the launch list. So Mm -hmm. if people say, and this is really important because like a baseline metric for conversions on a launch is like two to 3%. In some Mm -hmm. cases, people will even say one to 2%. Yeah. But what happens is people will be like, okay, so, um, one to 2%, I have I have 200 subscribers. So if I convert one to 2%, well, that's like two to four people. Mm -hmm. Well, no, actually, when we think about conversion rates, they are calculated based on the launch list. And the launch list is the people who opted in to be in your promotion. So of those roughly 4,000 people, about 700 said, yes, I will watch your webinar. And those people, I always go after them a little bit harder. So while I will still send emails to my entire list, I definitely focus more heavily on the launch list. Those are the people who are the most engaged, they're the most interested, they're far more likely to buy than anyone else on your email list. Mm -hmm. Um, So we calculate conversion rates based on that number.
1: I I appreciate you bringing that up because that was something I didn't understand for so long. And I was comparing my results based on my entire list compared to the results that I heard other people reporting. And my conversion rates were so not stacking up. You know, I had a thousand people on my email list and I heard other people talking about two to 3% conversion rates. And I'm like, okay, so that should be 20 to 30 sales. And I made two, you know, like what's happening here. And it was because I didn't realize the difference.
0: Yes. And this is so critical because oftentimes people will come to me and they'll be like, oh, I have this major issue. My course is like converting so low. I only made three sales. And I'm like, whoa, back up a second. You only made three sales, but you only had like 50 people come to your webinar or sign up for your webinar. Like that's actually like you're doing really well. Mm-hmm. So um, we do really have to put these things in perspective. And, um, it's important to know how to calculate these numbers. And I think I love to sit down after a launch and do a debrief and look at some really key numbers, like how much revenue did we make? What was the overall conversions? How much, what was our earnings per lead? Which by the way, is also calculated based on the launch list. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, so many things we could look at. So coming back to, um, coming back to this promotion, 5,000 or 6,000 on a payment plan. And then what I also did was after the mastermind enrollment period closed, I did a down sell and I sold just the training. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's like basically a digital version for $1,500 or three payments of 549. Mm -hmm. So I had two offers, but the messaging was really similar. And because I was... We, because I was really, I would never promote both at the same time, by the way, mm-hmm. but yeah. you know, I went really hard promoting the mastermind and all the email training. Inevitably, there's a lot of people who want that, but they don't have five or even $6,000. Mm-hmm. So a, the downsell was just like a a, re, like a really easy sell and a natural continuation. I'd never tried that before, but I was really glad I did. So 732 people in the launch. Here's what happened. 17 people joined the mastermind at the full pay price and six people joined on the payment plan. So I had 23 people join the mastermind program. Although my goal was 30, I was very happy with 23. Mm -hmm. I also had 19 people buy the downsell offer. The total total money brought in from that launch, $151,000. So Um, impressive. So impressive. (laughs) Yeah. Pretty awesome. And also what's amazing is a lot of that was pay in full, like 95,000 of that was pay in full, which is so amazing. Mm -hmm. And even the payment plans were short payment plans. So there's a lot less drop off. And at the same time, as I was doing that promotion, like at the time I was still doing private client work. So I still had like a launch generates like so much momentum in so many different ways. You really don't know. Like I, you know, sometimes you get to the end of a goal, you get to the end of a launch and you're like, Oh man, I didn't reach my goal or I didn't get like this specific outcome that I predicted. But there's this wonderful halo effect when you put yourself out there and you'd be really radically visible and talk about your offers. Um, people, people do like want to work with you. And Other offers and opportunities you didn't expect happen. One of my clients, she did a launch and she was like, "Oh, okay, fine, I got six people or something." And then she got, um, she got a like a very well paid speaking gig because of some of the stuff she'd put out there during the launch, and that was even ended up being even more profitable than the launch itself. So there's like we always want to keep in mind the halo effect. Uh, You don't even know what your launch is going to bring to you. When you've just closed the cart, you just absolutely, you have no idea. And whether it goes good or bad, like I had launches that did amazing last year. I also had launches that were not amazing at all. Um, so I, I always consider like every launch is really good learning and what, like that learning might not have paid off this launch. It will probably pay off the next launch though. Like the best, the most valuable lessons, they often came on the heels of what felt like a big flop. So let me just give you one more number. So we had 23 sales. Okay, we're just gonna do a little math here. 23 sales in the full pay plus 19 sales on the down sell. So that's 42 sales total. And remember, our launch list was 732 people. So we're going to go 42 divided by 732, and we get a conversion rate of 5.7%, which is very high, but also not crazy unusual when you have a smaller list. Like, I recommend that people work to just meet the baseline metric, which is like 1% to 3%, let's say. In your first couple launches, just like try and meet the baseline metric. Sometimes people will see like, oh, one to 2%. Like, I'm going to like blow that out of the water. Well, maybe or maybe not. So let's just like try and, you know, just like let's aim to be average on your first launch. That would be so great if you could hit the average. It's like, imagine if you could ride a bike on the first try. Like you wouldn't expect that, right? Mm -hmm. You kids don't ride a bike on the first try and you're like, you failed, (laughs) <laughs> right you ride it a little bit and it's so exciting so like launching is a real skill and it takes um it takes actually launching to to learn take some failures I had um I had the benefit of having written for a lot of launches and been through some launches with my clients not a lot but some so I I had a bit of a running head start that's for sure but I have still had flops a hundred percent.
1: This episode is brought to you by Startup Society. If you run an online business or you're thinking about starting one, then Startup Society is the place for you. It's a bootcamp training program for entrepreneurs, plus an incredibly supportive membership community. If you're looking for a framework to make building an online business as simple and straightforward as possible, then that's exactly what you'll find inside Startup Society. Startup Society. Every month, we create a step-by-step action plan for our members to follow to create a specific result in their business so that they can keep moving forward and growing. Past action plans have helped our members write their websites, launch online courses, and hire their first employees. And when you become a member, not only will you get access to our future action plans, but you'll also get access to our entire library of past action plans, including the ones that I just mentioned. You'll also get business coaching directly from me during our live monthly coaching sessions. During these sessions, you can ask any business questions that you have so that you can make sure that you get the answers you need in order to be able to keep moving forward and not get stuck. As a member, you'll also be invited into our membership community where you can connect with other online entrepreneurs who are crushing it so that you can be inspired and make some lasting connections. If you're interested in becoming a member of Startup Society, then there's no time like the present to make that happen. To sign up, just head to gillianperkins.com slash Startup Society. Again, that's gillianperkins.com slash Startup Society. And as a listener of this podcast, I have a special offer for you. You can become a member of Startup Society for $10 off every single month. Just use code EARNMORE when you are signing up. Again, that code is EARNMORE, all one word, and it will give you $10 off your monthly membership costs. If you want to turn your online business into a success as quickly and as strategically as possible, then I would love to work with you to make that happen. And now let's get back to the episode. Okay, so that is such a good story. I want to make it more than a story for the listeners, though I don't just want this to be a story about how amazing and awesome Tarzan is. Okay, so I had a few takeaways that I got out of that. The first one was that how you structure your offer really matters. I thought that was so smart that you started out by selling a mastermind and then you had a downsell that was also really valuable where you were selling essentially just the online course all by itself. Most people don't do it that way, but I can definitely see how that increased your total sales. It made both offers seem a lot more valuable and it made you be able to sell them. It allowed you to be able to sell them for higher prices. So that was my first takeaway. Awesome. My second takeaway was about pricing high. Um, So something that I realized as I was working on trying to have my first successful launch initially was that the hardest part about it was just getting the sale. That was way harder than selling for a certain price. It didn't really matter whether the product was $1,000 or whether the product was $50. Just getting the sale was the hardest part. And so I think that that's something else that the listeners could really uh, take advantage of here is don't try to price low to make more sales, but instead price high. Because if your list is small then or your audience is small, then you're going to make fewer sales. So you can make more money if you price your offer high. Another takeaway I had was um, you said it's easier to grow your business when you're launching or you're selling. That was absolutely my experience as well. I was like really struggling to get exposure with my business, you know, blogging every week, doing all these things to try to slowly build up exposure. But it wasn't until I actually launched something and put some skin in the game. And so Mm. just like you were saying, I spent money on Facebook ads. Now, the my first launch, it made squat diddly. Like I literally made zero sales. So I wasted the money on Facebook ads, air quotes, they're wasted. Uh, But it grew my business more than anything else I had ever done. Grew my list, grew my audience, grew my, not just my visibility, but also my credibility. It strengthened my relationships with my list because I was talking to them a lot more frequently. So I love that tip. Um, And then the last thing was, you said it takes actually launching to learn. Um, yeah, just love that. I think that that is so true. Like you're probably going to fail your first launch, maybe your first several launches. I know I definitely did. Um, but that was the only way that I managed to get better. So all such good things. Okay. So that was a launch that you did. You said about a year ago or, or almost two years ago now. That was roughly a year ago. Yeah. Okay. And so your list has grown a lot since then. And you said you have another pretty impressive launch that happened when you had about 10,000 subscribers. Is that right? Oh, yes. The
0: next time I launched this product, oh my gosh, the next time I launched it, it was like I all the benefit of every past launch had just like all added up together. And um, so I launched this program again in uh, as a Black Friday offer. So mm. I sort of um I sort of like repositioned it, not repositioned it. I would say, I'm not even rebranded. it. I just called it the Black Friday Edition. and I launched the I launched email stars again this time as a digital offer only um for the same amount of money, fifteen hundred dollars or three payments of five forty nine. And this time I launched it uh, as like the Black Friday edition. So it was the exact same course, but it came with, and we'll probably do this on Black Friday again because it went so well. It came with a swipe file of Black Friday emails, which I also, FYI, sold after it closed. Like I opened, it was like a two day cart open. And I also mm-hmm. just sold, it was like a template pack. So mm-hmm. you could have like a swipe file for your Black Friday promotion. And I did this email stars Black Friday edition, like a good two to three weeks before Black Friday, because if you wait too long, it just gets like, yeah, so crowded. Everything's Black Friday and just like shut up about Black Friday. (laughs) So, um, I, let me, I don't have the exact numbers, but I can tell you that I made $137,000 on that launch. And what's really amazing about it, it's less than the, it's le- a lot less money than the launch that I did earlier that year. Well, it's a little bit less money. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's really amazing about it is that I didn't do a webinar. I didn't do mm. any fancy things. I didn't run retargeting ads. I didn't do any of the bells and whistles that I would normally do in a launch. I was just like, let's just, op- I just wanted to open it one more time before the year. So I sprinkled some special sauce on it, which was the Black Friday theme. And then I just sent, I repurposed a lot of the same emails that I had sent earlier that year. I always recommend when you're reusing email copy to give it like, to give it a good facelift, like change like Mm -hmm. 20%, um, you know, like swap out the hooks for new things. But the, you know, once you make the segue to the sale, the sales can still be the same. So I repurposed so much of that. It was like, I didn't do any sales calls. I didn't, I just like sat back and actually funny thing about that launch. It performed so well. I was so proud and I felt like all the money I had invested in and Facebook ads throughout the whole year, which was probably, which was not a lot. It was probably like, I wish I knew exactly what I spent on Facebook ads, but if I had to guess, I would say it was maybe $15,000 and it felt like it all paid off in that launch. Like, Oh look, more subscribers means that I can make more money with less work.
1: So Mm -hmm. I was
0: really proud of that launch. And um, oh, there's one more thing I wanted to say about it. Hang on. Let me see if I can grab it from my brain. Okay. I remember this was such a good lesson. I've been in this position so many times before, but I really learned my lesson this time. So I've got this Black Friday offer, and it was a five-day card open time, opened on Monday, closed on Friday. I didn't want to be working on the weekend. I was like, make this simple, five-day email sequence, and I'm done. We'll just see what happens. i got nothing to lose. Mm -hmm. And um, the first two days were very quiet. So I have the actual numbers here. I made one sale on the first day. (laughs) So I was like, oh, hmm. I guess this isn't really working. I made six sales on the next day. I was like, "Mm, okay, might hit 30 sales. And then I made four sales the next day. Okay, mid-cart, lol, that's a real thing. Mm -hmm. And then eight sales. And I was like, "Mm, okay. And then on the last two days, I made 80% of my sales came on the last two days. 32 sales on the second to last day, 29 sales on the last day and it was such a good reminder like I teach this to my students I teach this to my students and I forgot the lesson myself which is never judge your launch in the middle of the launch Mm -hmm. you don't know a lot of people do buy during the end you don't know what's going to happen when you're in the middle of it like you do not have clear vision so that was lesson one Second takeaway, because we do want this podcast to be something other than why Tarzan is so awesome. (laughs) Uh, Second takeaway is like that fast action bonus is so important. Mm.
1: Talk to me about how you structured it for this one. Oh, well, this one didn't have a
0: fast action bonus. Oh, that's why there (laughs) was no sales in the beginning. (laughs) Yeah, totally. That's totally why. And I had, I had done a couple of launches. Like I should have known better Because I'd done several launches last year where the sales were initially really slow. And I have always also taught like one thing where I see people getting tripped up with their launches is they try and do all the different types of bonuses, like fast action bonus, early bird bonus, webinar only bonus, mid part bonus, uh, announce a payment plan in the middle and then like a closing bonus, like then surprise bonuses at the end, like bonus, bonus, bonus. And it's great. Like bonuses work. Expiring bonuses are very effective at getting people to buy. But on the other hand, every time you add an expiring bonus, it adds another layer of complexity to your launch. And that means more tech that has to be set up. That means like if you, now I have great support. I have excellent support. I have two full-time team members, plus someone who basically runs the whole business part-time. Um, I have excellent support therefore I'm doing all the bonuses. Like at the time of recording this will be over it'll be over by the time this episode airs but I'm doing an affiliate promotion. I have several fast action bonuses. Then like there's fast action bonus that expires on day 1, another one that expires on day 2, then there's a whole bunch of core bonuses, then there's like weekend bonuses that get announced and then there's closing bonuses. Like there's all the bonuses because I have so much team support, I can do stuff like that. I can have someone helping me create the bonuses, helping me deliver them. In the beginning, you just like, you know, you got to just chill out on the bonuses. Mm -hmm. Closing bonus is a really good one because everyone gets it anyway. You can't penalize people for showing for, you know, for enrolling early. Everyone gets it. The closing bonus is really good. In the middle, you know, you could do like an extended payment plan that you announce in the middle because that's pretty easy to do. Um, but then the fast action bonus, I would say, like, uh, that's why I kind of didn't do it. I was like, I don't have the bandwidth. Mm-hmm. And after last year, I was like, I will make the bandwidth, whatever <laughs> it takes, have the fast action bonus.
1: Yes. I would say if you want to hate launching, do all the bonuses when you don't have support. <laughs> right totally. like that is totally. the way to make yourself hate launching um and yes. also just like keep in mind that even if you have the support bonuses can like dilute your message and distract Mm. from your message because there's so much you want to communicate when you're launching i know like the first time someone launches they might feel like they don't have enough to say but the more you launch the more you have to say you want to tell people all the reasons why they should buy and about the deadlines and about the bonuses and you know like there's just so much messaging you can fit in there and so little time you know so few emails you can actually send unless you're going to be launching over the course of a month which we're not gonna do right so yeah so that's just another thing I would say to watch out for especially when you're first launching like don't try to fit too much in simplify it oh that is that is
0: excellent advice well done I'm so glad you mentioned that because a lot of people do just get burnt out with launching and boy you just did too much so one of the reasons so all that that like super involved bonus strategy that I just mentioned to you I'm an affiliate for the program that I'm promoting. So Hmm. when you're an affiliate, like I already know I'm promoting Selena Sue's program, Impacting Millions. Mm -hmm. And I know Selena is sending all of these emails out. That's like all about the core of the program and her bonuses. She's got that covered. Therefore, I'm free to just like talk about bonuses. (laughs) But you make a really good point. It totally will dilute the messaging. And also people get fatigued. They're like, oh, another bonus. Like, you know. It's, it's almost like you're just throwing things at the wall at some point. Yeah,
1: it can turn into, I would say, just noise, like just way too much mm-hmm. stuff if you're just giving them so much. I'm glad that you pointed out that you were doing this as an affiliate launch because you had nothing else to talk about aside from bonuses or like the amazing results you'd gotten from the program you were promoting. You didn't have to worry about doing kind of that like core messaging for the product. Um, so yeah, I'm glad that you pointed that out. Okay. So you've shared with us two different stories about some really successful launches you've had. Do you have some more tips that you could share with us for, as you mentioned earlier on, small list tactics? What are some of your best small list tactics? Okay. So one of
0: my most favorite things to do and something that I added on last year is, um, I got this tool called BombBomb, bomb and there's many video tools. I just happen to really love this tool and I love the company. They have great customer support. They're just awesome. I use this tool to send personalized video messages and it works straight inside of Gmail. So I can like reply by video to any questions people send me and I can do it without even leaving my browser. And I also love that, like, it makes this, um, it makes a little gif of like the first two to three seconds of your, probably first two seconds of your video and it's just so clickable and so awesome. Uh, And I love using this tool to talk to people and to personalize my messaging. I use it during launches to answer people that have questions. I also like if I'm trying to close like a VIP day client and I want to do something special for them, I make them a video. I also add videos to my promo emails um, they're so fun and they're such like a cool pattern interrupt when you're sending all these text-based emails and maybe they have a cute picture, but like a video totally breaks the pattern. So I love using that. And the fewer subscribers you have, the more people you can reach through video. It's so Mm -hmm. personal. Like sometimes I'll, I'll write the person's name on a whiteboard and just like put that in the first couple seconds so they know that it's personal and it's not a marketing it's not mass Mm -hmm. marketing so that's one of my favorite things to do there's a blog post on my website that's all about all the things that i do with bomb um, so check that out. Yeah, cool.
1: We can link that in the show notes. That's a really good tip. I really like the idea of including those um, videos in your sales emails, especially because I've seen plenty of people include like GIFs in their emails, which already is a nice like little pattern interrupt, you know, just yeah. to make it a little bit more fun. But having to be a personalized video from you um, really takes that to the next level. And this is definitely a small list tactic because it is such a good strategy to use to make that more personal connection. But it can get a little bit weird when your list is a lot bigger. Even if you do it for some people, it can end up seeming um, actually like it can actually damage your credibility to do that. Potentially, if you if you're known for having a really big audience, for having a really big list, for having a whole team, and then you send people a personalized video, it can make it look like you're a liar, potentially. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like people could disbelieve um, if someone is just getting your emails. So that's why I say it's such a good like small list tactic. uh
0: I think the real issue there when you have a bigger list is like people don't believe you Mm -hmm. even when. So I'll do a video and I'll write the person's name (laughs) on the whiteboard and they'll email me back and they'll be like, this is amazing. How did you get my name on the whiteboard? Like, how did you personalize (laughs) that? I'm like, yo, I personalized it. I wrote it with a marker and I know I've heard Amy Porterfield say, I think on her podcast, that, you know, one of the things that she does during a launch is she'll like jump in to help scout and answer questions and make short audios for people. And they often like a lot of skepticism. Like, is this exactly. the real Amy?
1: Yeah. And I get that too. And that's why I say like it can actually almost like damage your credibility because people don't believe that it could possibly be you. And so they think you have a customer support person who is lying for you, which is not a good thing for your credibility or else they think you're lying about the fact that you actually have a big list or you actually have support people because, I mean, you took the time to reply to them Mm. personally, which just ends up putting you in an awkward situation, right? Because Mm. I mean, I want to reach out to people. I want to respond to people. And I do a lot of the time, but then a lot of the time I'll end up signing it with my um, support person's uh, name and email <laughs> because yeah. I don't want it to be awkward. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm glad that you brought that up because that is one of those like special opportunities that people who have a small list have. They can totally get away with that. No one's going to question the, um, the realness of their personal response. And it's a great way mm-hmm. to create a stronger connection with people. Okay. How about exactly. you? Sh- We're almost out of time here, but how about you share with us one more really good small list tactic?
0: one really good small list tactic.
1: So, I would say as
0: often as possible encourage people to reply because when someone replies, they're starting a conversation. Those are the hottest people. Even if they don't feel very hot, it feels like they just replied and said, "Hey, good email. I agree." Um, those people are starting a conversation. So, I would ask a question in your welcome sequence so you can start conversations with the absolute maximum number of people and get used to ending your emails with it. Like, you know what? People often think like, well, I can't send an email because I don't have a new blog post or a new whatever, whatever. So why would I email my list? Well, email your list, just to talk to them, like to engage with them and give them some great content. And if you don't have a link, all the better, because you're not going to lose people to that link. You can just say like, Hey, Hit reply. I would love to know, like, you know, I don't know, how's your email marketing? Like, are you scared to? I don't know, like, ask them a question that's relative to your industry.
1: Some of my favorite questions to ask are about what they're struggling with or how I can help them, but not uh, framing it very broadly. So I would never say to them, like, what are you struggling with? Or how could I help you? Because no one's going to answer that. So instead, like giving them a few options. So it's like multiple choice and asking them to tell me which of those um, or asking them to tell me which of two different things they're more interested in or which goal is more inspiring to them or something like that. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. The easier it is for them to answer the
0: better. Mm -hmm. Another question that I love to ask, and it's great for, um, it's great for like collecting real person objections to your, whatever your thing is. Um, Mm -hmm. so right now, like the program that I'm selling is all about getting publicity and being visible in your business. So we've been ending emails with the question, what's your number one struggle when it comes to getting publicity for your business? Mm-hmm. I've gotten so many awesome replies. It's a great quiz question. It's what Ryan Levesque teaches in his program ask. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would, and it's so it's such an, you know, what's your number one struggle when it comes to finding an acupuncturist? What's your number one struggle when it comes to like writing your book proposal? It's
1: an easy question. And usually people are like, Oh, it's this. Yeah, it's such a good piece of advice because it it kills so many birds. What am I trying to say? You know what I mean? It kills so many birds with one stone. It feeds many birds Um, with one seed. Yes. Oh, it, it does what? It feeds feed many birds, birds with, that, with one seed. That's so much seed. nicer. Yeah. Okay, we'll go Isn't with that. It? Yes, it is. Um, because not only are you establishing more rapport with your audience, you are giving yourself a little boost in the algorithm, in the email algorithms, which nobody talks about but are totally a thing. Right, when people respond to your email, that's going to get you more into their primary inbox. Um, but it also is giving you words that you can copy into your swipe file and use for your promotion. Um, so yeah, accomplishing so much with one. Easy email to write like those are the e- easiest emails to write, you know, just hey how you do when here's a question for you You didn't even have to produce any content really and you are accomplishing so much. So that is an mm-hmm. awesome tip Okay, well we are running out of time here I don't want this to go on too long even though I have so many more copywriting questions I could ask you. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me on the podcast today Tarzan And before we wrap this up Can you just share with the listeners where they can go to connect with you further? So if you want to connect with me in
0: person Person, then come find me on instagram i'm very active there sharing a lot of good uh, i feel like i'm doing some really good work on instagram i'm proud of what i'm doing there and i'm active in my dm so you can come say hey there but also go to my website tarzank.com there's a lot of email swipes and cool email related freebies that can make writing emails faster and shorter specifically if you go to tarzank.com email you'll find a 10 email promo sequence swipe that you can use so there's lots of freebies but i want to say like I'm like, stay for the emails because the emails are where the real gold is. It's where I do some of my best writing.
1: I will second that. I subscribe to a lot of email newsletters just to like read them, you know, and like learn from people who are writing copy. And yours is one of my favorite newsletters to be subscribed to for that very reason. So thank you so much again for joining me today and for everything that you've shared with us about copywriting and specifically how to make the most out of a small list. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Work Less, Earn More. Now, here's what I want you to do next. Take a screenshot of the episode you're listening to right now and share it out on your Instagram stories. And when you do that, make sure to tag me at Gillian Z Perkins so that I can see that you're listening. Sharing on stories is going to help more people find this podcast so that they can learn how to work less, earn more, and take back their lives. And when you share, I want to add it to my stories so that you can get some exposure that way as well. And if you really love the show, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave it a review to give the show a boost. Every single week, I feature a review on the podcast, and I would love to give you and your business a shout out. So if you leave a review, it will help the show, but it can also help your business as well. Okay, let's wrap this up. I'm Ghislaine Perkins, and until next week... Stay focused and take action.